Hello, uh, welcome back to <laughs> that was a, that was a particularly poor introduction, wasn't it? I'm here anyway uh, to talk about Cold Hearts by Trevor Baxendale, and joining me on this episode is one of my very favourite podcasters. It's Harry from Who Can Convince You. Hello, Harry. hello, Ian. Thank you very much for that w- wonderful, rousing introduction. I hope it was. A- Arousing. Uh, it was arousing. I, I'm just. I might uh, yeah. switch my camera off just for a few moments. Just yeah. Okay. I think that's probably for the yes. best. We don't want. Um, we don't want the show to become too X-rated. But um, if there's anyone out there who hasn't listened to, who can convince there's you? A few. You're nuts. Yeah. <laughs> subscribe to it straight away. Um, do you want to? Do you want to try and c- explain and categorise what your show's about? Or, or do, I, I mean, yeah. Well, well, I suppose if we're going to strip it back, fundamentally, (laughs) so to speak, um, I'd say we are a Doctor Who podcast who, or, yes, there we go, we're a Doctor Who podcast. Secondly, (laughs) we... we, um, much the way this conversation is going so far, you're going to sort of get an indication of what our podcast is like. It's very off the cuff. We talk about Doctor Who for a little bit and mostly take the mickey out of everything we've said, discussed, and we sing songs and do quizzes about the price of grass seed in the UK currently. And I love your quizzes. I love that. Yeah. We, there's, uh, do you know what? We've got a, a build-up now in our Dropbox of unused quizzes, and we've got um, lawnmowers, uh, the prices of strimmers, uh, garden fencing. There's loads of different ones that are sort of in the can. I think the professionals like uh, to say that's that's very good news as a as a fan of the show because um, you know I, I love I love to play along. What? I won't I, I won't go so far as to say that I write I write each one down and and you know seriously yeah. think about it, but. I like to go out there and, you know, spend a few seconds. Join in. Just coming and ahhing. Yeah. Ooh. And often I do quite well. Now, I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. Just- it's certainly, it, it's it's a luck thing because I, um, most of your, most of the items that you have, it's a, it's one of those quizzes where you put things in price order. Yeah. <laughs> and most of them are sort of home improvement or DIY or, you know, yep. that that kind of thing. I could – I mean, I put up a shelf once, and it may still be standing. I don't know. I had to leave the oh. house because the, the washing up needed oh. doing. Oh. Um, but <laughs> on the subject of shelves, if we might just sort of digress slightly here, Let's we've got it. a shelf that we've got downstairs that's made out of a railway sleeper, right? So the shelf was ordered, and I kid you not, I kid you not. Now, people – you might be listening to this podcast thinking, what on earth – is this strange man talking about? Well, forget about Ian for a moment, and I'll carry on telling you about this railway sleeper. It's a shelf that is literally a railway sleeper. Now, the bolts, as you can imagine, to get this into the wall, uh, basically, they're like tram tram tracks that are screwed into the centre of the earth to keep this thing upright on the wall. 
<laughs> it took three of us to hold it whilst one of us was drilling a hole into the wall. It, we had to buy a specialist drill bit to reach the desired depth of um, yeah. Yeah, it was it was horrendous. So yeah, that's my shelf wow. story. Just to go with your that's that's a hell of a shelf. It is a hell. Um, my my dad would love that shelf, and he does have access to railway sleepers. As Wonderful. Well, so, um, yeah. Maybe maybe there's some sort of business. Is that why he got locked up? Was it? Is it he's, yeah, 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 basically, yeah. yeah. He's nicking bits of track. <laughs> to, but, you know, he's saved a lot of money on two. Oh, the, well, there you go. Home improvement. DIY, innit? Um, yeah, but I have no... So we have a few of these big warehouse kind of places near us, like Home Depot, Lowe's, mm. and my wife loves going to them, and it's a happy place, just walking up and down, looking at identical little bits of metal oh. where you get, you know... Three grommets for a dollar or something. And I'm just standing there going, there is nothing sensible here. There is no menswear. There's no There's no lavender and bergamot flavour. Where's the Yankee candles, darling? I've got no engagement with any of this shit. There's no book aisle. It's nonsense. Rubbish. Um, so... Um, yeah, I think I think she thinks I'm just a bit of a, a fancy boy who's not actually much practically used to anything. Well, you know, uh-huh. and that's why I do a podcast about Doctor Books. Who. Because <laughs> you know, everyone does the TV show. I thought bit of a niche, yeah. bit of a point of difference. I'll do the Wilderness Era novels because a I had all the Virgin ones. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm, I'm always keen for an excuse to reread them. Um, I, I bought all the BBC, you know, all of these these ones with the eighth. I've got that one as well. Isn't that weird? <laughs> that's 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 good. To oh, see. lucky. Um, well, yeah. we'll we'll come to that. Um, I and I, I just thought I want to reread them. I can't justify spending ten years of my life rereading these books. Um, they're not great works of literary fiction. <laughs> they're not Martin Amis. So. Um, <laughs> I can't really justify it unless I spin out a podcast out of it. So that's kind of how I got into it. Yeah, you can't it. just um, read it. Um, you need to make life harder for yourself. <laughs> exactly. If you haven't, you have to, it's the opposite of a system of rewards. Yeah. You have to give yourself a series of impediments. <laughs> um, otherwise, things are too easy. Exactly. But that's, you know, that's that's why I'm doing this show. Let's begin by asking you, because obviously you've, You'll have covered this on your own show. Maybe. I imagine many times. But for anyone listening to this show, tell us about your sort of how you got into Doctor Who, because obviously you're a very different generation to me. You're what we call a young person. Uh, yes, I believe um, you're what's called a young person. It- <laughs> so if you could if you could stop having all that illegal rave that you're yes, having. Put there, down that canister um, of air and uh, stop yes. leaving it in the park and just tell me what you do. Stop slouching, boys. <laughs> Sit up. For God's sake, sort out your yeah. hair. Uh, so how did you get into Doctor um, Who? I got into Doctor Who um, during the sort of the round two of the wilderness years, I suppose you could say. So I was born in 1995, which is uh, in the middle of the 90s, as you might have worked out. You know, the, the, the keen mathematicians amongst you might have worked that one out. And... Um, I uh, yeah. my first experience of uh, Doctor Who was the Dalek Invasion of Earth Peter Cushing film. Wow. Yes. So I can't remember if it was on the I I convinced myself that it was 
a live broadcast, as in obviously a repeat. I didn't travel back. There wasn't. Sure. So, I wasn't sure. hit on the head, and I woke up in night. <laughs> Good God, what's happening? It. Um, so it must have been. I'm assuming it was on video or something, and it was just on in the house. And I thought it was great. I just couldn't believe how good this thing was. And then a few weeks later, I went into our local branch of HMV. You know, the one with the dog staring into the gramophone. I'm, I'm aware the of the music dog. emporium. And yes. um, as we were wandering around those sacred aisles, I spotted the Doctor Who DVD selection which I think comprised of probably about three DVDs on the shelf. There was hardly anything in our HMV. Oh, of course, because, yeah, because this was this was then. Yes, this was then, like, not now. Like, if you, go, if you go in there now, they've got about three metres. Yeah, yeah, there, yeah. yeah. All, all lined up in order, you know. Yeah, because I go <laughs> to the shop every Saturday and I put them in the right order because I'm... Oh, it's you that's doing that. It is. I do it in every branch. Well, the nearest HMV to us now is probably about 40 miles away because it's shut down now. But um, at the yeah. time, you know, it was there. And So can you remember w- what the three <laughs> stories might have I, been? I gu- I'm guessing it would be two Toms and a, and a William. I'm, I'm I know exactly what two of them were because I bought two of them. Well, I didn't buy two of them because I was five, maybe. It uh-huh. was the movie as in yep. the Paul McGann, and it was Excellent. the Lost in Time William Hartnell, Patrick Troughton sort of compilation three DVD set thing. Which, when you're not quite sure what's going on, is a mind fuck. As a, as a <laughs> <laughs> what is going on here? <laughs> it's all over the place. There's bits of stuff. There's no beginning to any of this, and there's no end to that one. Yeah. This one's got nothing. Else. Why is this one just audio? So, yeah, and I'm, I'm not sure what the other one was, but it was probably something like, I don't know, insert crap story here. It was probably the Ark in Space or, uh, you know. Some, some rubbish, Talons of Wen Chiang, some crap like some that, that that nobody likes. Some of that, you know, early, early Baker. Yeah, pack. oh, it's so good. Um, <laughs> and then, so you'd have been about eight-ish when the TV show came back? Uh when did it come back? 2005. About 2005. No, you've been yeah, it would have been you've some been lovely 10. mental maths there, Ian. Thank you. You're very welcome. <laughs> it's uh, Good job we didn't take those gummies before we started. <laughs> I think you <laughs> Just don't be sick. Um, if it goes in your boot, you've had it. It no, was, no. Um, yeah, I, I was 10 when the series came back. By then, I'd sort of, well, no, by then, I had a complete collection on VHS. Wow. Yeah, and there's a bit there's a bit of a story to how this collection came about as well. So it was the early days of eBay and my dearest father was scouring the internet and found that somebody had a pretty much complete collection of all of the videos that they just wanted to get rid of for like 50 quid, like something like that on eBay. Oh. And so it was a bite now, done, sorted, but we got to go and get it. And it was in Birmingham. <laughs> and they said, okay. we'll meet you in the car park of the NEC. <laughs> now, I've never been to the NEC in Birmingham, but I'm guessing its car parking is a fairly extensive It's area. It's not like the back of the corner shop. 
It's a uh, yeah. Right. It's uh, a yeah. a Goliath of a parking. Imp- ten, yeah. ten stories. Oh yeah, yeah. Which floor yeah. could they be on? <laughs> unless they've sort of got you know sprayed. Unless they arrived in a police box or sprayed their car yeah. blue and put Tardis yeah. on the side of it. Or there was just you. You could follow a very long scarf yeah. around the various floors. Follow the jelly babies to your prize. <laughs> We've all used that line. Exactly. Well, you never know. It's um, so yeah, and we got there, and after we'd driven the sort of three hours or whatever it was to get to Birmingham, uh, they sent a message to say, "Sorry, somebody's bought it for cash." Oh, yeah. Oh, I've got, I've got secondhand fury. It was, yeah, it was. I was furious, you know. Six-year-old me yeah. had sort of lost his mind. That's I would have had a complete shit fit, and they, frankly, they should be in jail. They probably are. They probably they're selling things I out of car so. parks. It's um, it never yeah. ends well. Cuts, cuts of meat. yeah, yeah. People they've trafficked from the full. Do you want a cross cut of pork army. or a loin of pork or some <laughs> lamb's kidney? I can sort you out with that. Any offal with that, sir? It's um yeah, and then but the moral the no, well not the moral of the story, the happy end of the story is once we came back, about three weeks later, the chap that lives next door to my mother and father, um, he does removals. So house removals, and he came and knocked the door and he said, Do you like Doctor Who? It wasn't this is, it sounds quite sinister, doesn't it, Will? It does doesn't come it? with me. <laughs> <laughs> Come to the back of I'm my van. I'm going to show you some photographs of various time lords in states of undress. No, this is Tom Baker. <laughs> That's little Tom. Yes, this is, and now here we are. <laughs> Would you like to see my pertwee? So it. Um, so he said, "Would you? You know, do you like Doctor Who? Blah 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 blah." And it turns out he had. It was probably in that bought it. He had an almost complete collection of them all on video that he just gave to us. So from then, there was only a sort of few gaps that I had to fill. And then back then, well, much like now, really, the videos are sort of 20p on eBay. Yeah, I mean, everyone was switching to DVD at that point. Yeah, because I don't know when the DVD range started. I would have thought it's probably late 90s, very late 90s. I think you're probably right. I mean, I bought my first DVD player in 2001. One or t- yeah, two thousand and one, and I was a fairly late adopter just because I had so many VHSs yeah. and no discernible income, <laughs> so I was very reluctant to start buying a new system. So yeah, I guess most people were buying them from about ninety eight, ninety nine. Yeah, I would have thought something like that. It's sort of yeah, but in in recent years, I've gone back into the world of watching Doctor Who strictly on video. And yeah, I don't know why. It's probably a stupid thing really and you know I don't know <laughs> it's 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 like it's like only wanting to read a book in the original first edition hardback you, yeah you know everyone yeah, everyone's got a full yeah you know it is what it is the content is the content yeah. it's you know enjoy it however the hell yeah, you want I'm, it's your personally thing. i think it looks better I know, I know. There's a lot to be said for sort of upscaling for like the Blu-ray editions and everything, but sort of watching it on a CRT, sort of at, you know, the scale that it sort of was broadcast sort of yeah. thing, it does sort of yeah. cover a lot of mistakes and it sort of makes everything look a bit nicer. It's sort of like watching it on your iPad, whenever you. It yeah. sort of 
yeah. it's so compressed down that it just sort of makes everything look neater. You know, it just sort of tidies it's everything. It's being kind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's being kind to the material. Whereas, like, whenever you watch it sort of on your 120-inch telly in the front room, it's sort of like, good God, what on earth? Yes. Tom's fly's undone. <laughs> <laughs> you could see the wires that operate. Perfectly. Yeah, yeah. It's good grief. Um. <laughs> of course. Uh, um, so you watched all of the classic series in the time it took. Yeah, from the time it the took for to- yeah for the, the world to remember the uh, well for Russell to remember and write a uh, yeah for it to come back. But um, yeah, and then when it came back, I was sort of in for a little bit, and then sort of thought I don't want to watch this anymore, and didn't. Yeah. But- you know, yeah, it, it is what it is, it's, and that's and that's fair enough. Everyone has, you know, um, I don't, you know, I don't want to be as black and white as saying favourites and and doctors they don't like, but everyone's got periods where they're more and less, yeah, invested. And what about the? Um, so we're sort of <laughs> creeping towards the point of the conversation with you know thirty minutes. Watch out for that iceberg, what Ian, a- as you're just. <laughs> What about the sort of related media? Could, do you mean novelizations and and other forms of written media? No, novelizations, audios, any of that appeal to you, uh, or is it just so much nonsense? I had quite a lot of the audio books from. Um, I had them on CD and transferred them to cassette because our car only had a cassette player, and um, uh-huh. so all of our holidays when I was uh, little. Uh, we're all sort of Power of the Daleks and, you know, all of that sort of... Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> I remember I, I I, would have been about 14 when Power of the Daleks came out on... Audio. I was going to say, good Christ, I, dude, you look great. I, I, <laughs> and I remember thinking it was, like, really important and I had to have yeah. it and you listened to it. And at the age of 14, I thought... This is terrible. Hey, what's this? <laughs> and I couldn't, you know, the thought of inflicting it, you know, bearing in mind the shitty music I listened to at the same time, it was like Technotronic featuring Yarkid K, but even that was light years ahead of this flappy old recording. So, but you never you never felt the need to go down the, the, the books or the Big Finish route? I've, I've attempted the Big Finish route a few times and I just don't get it. I, I just don't get it. I, I don't know what it is. I know it's very popular and people really do enjoy it. For me, I just I think I just don't need any more Who than I've already got. If you enjoy it, fine. But, I mean, for me, I'm just not going to spend 40 quid on a box set of some side character. You know, and I get that people like that. People do like that sort of extended universe yeah, stuff. Yeah. And that's great. You know, Absolutely. it's... If that's your yeah. thing. I mean, I, I think what it is, like, I like Doctor Who and films and books and some sports. So I've only got a certain amount of time I can devote to any one of those. If you only like Doctor Who, yep. you've got a lot more time. And, you know, rather than watch three stories a day, you could watch one, listen to a big finish and read an audio, uh, read a book. Read an audio book, um, yeah. Read an audio book if you're really if if you've got those kind of eyes that can read into a, a CD yeah. and just oh good good dialogue there on inch four mm. infrared um, eyes 
So, so what we're what we're saying basically is that uh, you you didn't really read the books, um, and so Cold Heart, which we're here to talk about, and we I promise you, Dylan, yeah. that we will. Get we're nearly there, it. everyone. Was this your your first experience of original Doctor Who novel fiction? I don't think it was. Ooh. Yeah. So I remember. Ooh. I'm sure I have one of these. Uh, EDAs, I think, is your is the technical term. Is uh, I, it, it's my uh, yeah, term. Uh, we'll, we'll go for that. Um, I'm sure yeah. I have got one somewhere other than the one that is in front of me at this present moment. <sighs> I shall so, whip it out at some point and let you know what it's like. <laughs> I mean, I would be fascinated to know. So clearly, if you've got one, yes, and you read one, you thought so little of it. I didn't continue. That you never read any other until now. So, <laughs> so I'm going to guess it was the Eight Doctors by Terence Sticks. But I mean, you know, it could be one of it could be one of a number. Are you dissing Uncle Teddy? Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> he. He retired from writing about 20 years before his body stopped <laughs> writing books. That's the problem. Yeah, just keep me. Yeah. Oh, I will rewrite the state of decay again. again. Oh, nothing in the world can stop me now. Um, so let's jump right in then. Cold Heart. What were your, what were your first impressions of Cold Heart? Um, well... Jumping in, when, when, right, here we go, here we go, I'm ready now. So, from the blurb, it's deathly dull. I'm not going to beat you around the bush. I'm sorry to any listeners if I offend you, but there's only one way that I can really talk about this. So, from the blurb, I just thought, what is this? Like, I, I don't understand what's, you know, I can see you skimming through the, the blurb as we speak. Yes. Yeah, it doesn't sort of make me want to open it, but... I'm not a big reader, so I'm not sure whether, or I wasn't sure whether it was just the fact that this is not a, a medium to which I am accustomed, and maybe, you know, maybe there is something to be, oh, I don't know what I'm saying anymore, but yeah, the blurb didn't make me want to read it, but when I started reading Fine. it, mm. I will say the first half of the book is pretty tough going. The st- Okay. And then the second half of the book, it opens up a little bit, but it's so standard who, as in, it's very sort of, it's almost as if I asked me ma'am, what's Doctor Who like? And she said, oh, I'll write you a story about this sort of planet with a bit of ice in the middle of it or something. And, you know, it's, yeah, I'll, it is a monster. What a, a slimer. Yeah, that'll do. Like, it's, um, yeah. But, you know... It's okay. It's okay. Interesting. So it struck me very much as being the kind of book equivalent of a John Pertwee six-parter, <laughs> you know, and it just in terms of the length and, and the way that it was kind of fairly sedately paced. I Sedate? Comatose. <laughs> well, I mean, so I've, I've read a lot more of these than you have, so... I, I've read a lot worse than this. This is a quickie. And this, <laughs> and this benefits from the from the comparison. I think um, I I did. I really enjoyed this one because it was very, um, it was very. 
It wasn't a difficult read in the sense no. that the author knew what he was doing. It wasn't like, oh, this is my first novel. Yeah. I must throw every idea ever at it. It was, it was professionally written. It was fairly straightforward, um, and um, you, there, there was no kind of fluff or, or, or wasted time with it. It was just a really solid professional book, and a lot of them. Oh, they're trying to be clever, yeah. or they're trying to be weird, or they're trying to do something new or different, blah, blah, blah. This one, I think, succeeded by being, as you say, like what your mum would yeah. produce if you asked her what Doctor Who was like. I think for the most part, though, as well, it's sort of, it does help. It does help you to read it because if you're sort of already familiar with what Doctor Who is and what Doctor Who does, it's sort of like, it makes you think you're quite clever. By sort of, oh, I know what's going to happen when it's sign- it's so signposted because it's so Doctor Who. Like it's got to do yeah, that yeah. thing. Like there's no way it's not going to yeah. go anywhere. We're not going to end up on Scarrow any minute. Like it's, yeah. <laughs> and then suddenly a Dalek bursts through the ice. Quick, it's Davros. Like it's you know, but yeah, it's um, yeah. There's some nice moments in it. I did have a question that um, the companions fits and compassion. Now, yes. I'm I'm not familiar with these uh, <laughs> these uh, <laughs> fictional characters, uh, right. and so Fitz. You have questions. I, I do have. Yes. I do have questions. So is Fitz always sort of necking on with somebody, or is it is that just a thing? So Fitz, basically, as I understand it, uh, was the second companion in the books that was kind of created as a kind of avatar for the readers, for the fans. Um, like Benny Summerfield in the Virgin books was ostensibly one as well. But Fitz is kind of like you right. if you were in this adventure. So he's a bit shit. He likes a, he likes a roll-up. Yeah. Um, he, he'd love a snog. He'd love a shag. Yeah. Um, he's in the wrong genre to get either of those things on yeah. any kind of regular basis. Um, but yeah, he's 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 there to represent us, right? Ask me about compassion. <laughs> Can I ask you about compassion? <laughs> ask me about compassion. Who, what, where, when, why? So, <laughs> and I'm gonna have to try and think back because I read um, compassion's introduced in the novel Interference, which came out in about. 2000 or possibly even 1999 is that what's this is this like 2001 or something or 2002 this this one uh, i will very quickly turn to the well you don't need you don't need to because you know 2000 2000. yeah you knew that 2000 what a great year um uh kid a came out in 2000 wow and um and so did some other records elliot smith's figure many 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 um uh, what was the question? Compa- yeah, so Compassion was a member of a group called The Remote who sort of had in quite a, 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 again, a sort of fairly prescient bit of imagineering. They had special wireless headphones through which they got information Ooh. that they uh, were able to utilise. And Compassion somehow became sort of connected to the TARDIS well, through her. Because this is... If I'm I couldn't work it at first, I thought, is compassion a robot or is compassion some sort of like ethereal, like here but not here, sort of like a like an Arnold Rimmer, like a sort of hologram yes. thing that just sort of 
is there. But yeah, so she was a real woman. She becomes linked with the TARDIS through her earphone, and then the TARDIS is destroyed in uh, a novel called the shadows of avalon i want to say you can say it and and slowly compassion's insides kind of change and she gets bigger on the inside sort of human on the outside <laughs> tardis on the inside and i believe you you get aboard the tardis through her face so right um, yeah okay so I think her head just sort of goes, yeah, and there'd be a big swirly effect, yeah, yeah. and you'd step through yeah. it into the. Console. You'd enter compassion. You would enter. So Paul McGann would regularly enter, enter compassion through the through the <laughs> mouth, and um, and enjoy a ride Fitz, to another. And Fitz would Fitz would get to go south. Oh, well, you know, sometimes you know, you've just got to take it as it comes, haven't you? Absolutely. Yeah. So. Um, I, I have another question for you, then, if yeah, that's excellent. okay. Yes. Um, so, yes. your experience of the Virgin New Adventures, did you read them yes. in order, or was there a point where you started and then went back, or did you just sort of get them which one? So, the Virgin books, I think I was um, like still at secondary school when they started coming out, but I had a paper round, so I had literally you know eight or nine pounds a week of disposable mm. income. So... When these books started coming out, I was always in a position to buy each one second it appeared. And I did so religiously all the way through from 91 till 97. Um, and they've always been my pride and joy and the only thing I've really collected all of in my life. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, the EDAs, I, I gave it about four or five books and then thought these are shit and stopped <laughs> for, for about 20 years. And then I, I, I've given them... More of a chance, yeah. Now, uh, no, okay, that's uh, that's interesting. So, is there? Well, obviously, uh, I'd assume. So, have you not read any further than the one that we're doing now? Are you? I so I read. So, in about two thousand, I had to go and work. um, I used to work for MVC, the music and video shop. I remember it well, and. Uh, for some reason in 2000, they had some kind of staffing problem at the branch on London Bridge, so I'd have to get the train up to London and back every day. And it was sort of an extra hour of uh, each day that I needed to waste on It's a something. long way from America, so, isn't it? Like, you know. I, well, I was living slightly... <laughs> Slightly. <laughs> in, terms of, in terms of getting the train in the UK, it took almost... Yeah, almost, yeah. Um but I had that extra time to kill. So I got a few of these out of the library and I read probably less than half of them because mm. I wasn't going to spend any money on them. But at the time, it was the only kind of new Doctor Who that wasn't big finish. Yeah. Um, so therefore, it was it was what I wanted to, to read. So I kind of followed the story arcs enough to sort of know what's going yeah. on. But there are so many of these books I didn't read. And what I'm finding now is that there's a lot more variety and innovation and a lot more frock in the Eighth Doctor books compared to the my beloved new adventures, which were all sort of vaguely set in the future and kind of more more gun than frock, shall we say. You can say that, yes. And as as I've changed and become progressively more frock with each passing 
uh, decade. The, um, you know, the, my my transition from one set of books to the other is sort of slowly happening. Yeah. So yeah. with Trevor Baxendale, the yes. Liverpudlian, I believe he is. The Liverpudlian author, the, Trevor Baxendale. Yes, otherwise known as. Uh, yeah, so he's written a few of these, hasn't he? Has he written? Yeah, he wrote, um, I think he wrote one called Eater of Wasps. He may even have written a third, or I don't know. Eater of wasps. I'm no expert. Yeah, it's about someone who eats wasps. some wasps. Okay, you know, it's it's you know you've got destroyer of planets, liquor of and then cream, for a slightly yeah a, a lower stakes story. You know, stealer of biscuits, the drinkers of you know, water. It's, it's yes, <laughs> Doctor Who has never been this sort of inconsequential. The breathers of air. It's the brewers of tea. <laughs> but Eaters of Wasps, I have, again, I have very fond memories of because I think like this, it's really comfortingly written. Although what I would say with this, it, it stops being comfortingly written in Chapter 27 when it becomes The Novel Slugs by Sean Hudson. Now, I don't know when you were at sort of primary school, if there were any books that got passed around the class because they had naughty bits. Oh, yes. But when I... When I was at school, it was Slugs by Sean Hudson because there's a naked woman in a bar. Wonderful. She's described and it's quite sexy when you're nine. Nice. Until the slug goes up <laughs> inside. Where? Which, um, which orifice are we? Uh... <laughs> well, put it like this: it's not it's not compassion's. Oh right, orifice. okay. It's the it's the secondary right. Mouth. The uh, um, yes. Mm, okay. Yes, the hoo ha. Oh. Not the final mouth. It's not the Baker Lou, right. but it's it's <laughs> Mornington <laughs> Crescent. It's yes, yes. Um, it's it's all very upsetting. What what were the mucky books that were passed around when you were at school? Razzle. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant! Yeah, classroom full of yeah. eight-year-olds. Yeah, have oh, you seen this? I like Miss yeah. July. Yeah, but yeah, look, it's my mum. God, <laughs> yeah. oh, blimey, your auntie's bloomed. It was, um, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's our shower. Yeah, yeah. yeah, there's. Um, oh. To be fair, most of the books that were in our school library were just sort of hollowed out to become sort of drugs mules. Really, they were just sort of right. right. That's. Yeah, if you knew the school that I went to, you'd know that the library wasn't really... Oh, the library was always frequented by people who did not read. So, um, yeah, it was... Uh, yeah, there's something okay, in those yeah. books. <laughs> there's no reason. <laughs> <laughs> All of them going in in their tracksuits to get of mice and men. Like, oh, can I just take this out, please? Got- yeah. You open it up and all the words have been cut yeah. out on every <laughs> Big page square hole in the middle of it. Why yeah, is there talc yeah. everywhere in here? What's, yeah. <laughs> what's this? What's this hypodermic yeah. Ow! It's <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, that's an exciting school experience. Oh, yeah. It wasn't like that in, uh, in, in, in lovely Colchester back in the um, 18th was gonna, when yeah, I was, was in primary school. I very nearly actually said the the actual decade, yeah. and that would have been very well. If if you were um, if you were what what did you say? You're thirty when um, don't do when the maths. The don't do the Power maths. of the Daleks came out. That must have made you. <laughs> <laughs> so that was sixty sixty five, sixty six, uh, sixty seven, sixty eight. I'd be. Well, it's the 60th anniversary, so lop off a few years, and I'd be coming up to a hundred years. I mean, fair, you don't look a day uh, over. Well, thanks. <laughs> thanks, mate. That's um, 
Unfortunately, I have just wet myself. Um, well, it's uh, well. I've I've just texted Luke, so he's on his way. So if you could just make sure is the door unlocked and he can, he'll sort you <laughs> the, out. And the door could he? Could he? I need I need wiping yeah. and a couple. He's of just tea. calling for some gloves on the way and some talc. I've, and then uh, I've got a card in my pocket with my name on lovely. it. Tell him so. Don't press uh, don't press your wrist alert or pull your red string. No, I, I, he, he's on I his way. Do, uh, he's on his way. Okay. The the irony is, of course, in this country, if you were really that age, they'd let you run for president. Yeah. But um, um, that's another one of these things that's about as exciting as the prospect of David Tennant and Murray Gold. Yeah, you know. To Doctor yeah. Who. It's like, oh, Joe Biden yeah. again. Again? Yeah. Yeah. Will he last? <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Just stuff him. Just <laughs> It's got to be touch and go, isn't it? He's very Just shiny, isn't he, this, this term? <laughs> He's had a lot of... Is that, it's, it's the when you iron yeah. human flesh, it does become <laughs> slightly shiny. Um, so, so that's fits and compassion. Um, I won't tell you how their respective stories end. Uh, no, because, uh, no. You might, you might want to devote ten years of your life. To I mean, uh, why don't you just go for it? And we'll know. see how we get on. It's no. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I've forgotten. But um, I liked the planet of Escon because it was described as being sort of 50 degrees, which to me reminded me of when I used to live in the Middle mm. East. And, and I really like that kind of temperature. How do you get on with the heat? Um, it, uh, yes, I have experienced heat, not only through foods, but through climate <laughs> as well. What is the hottest place you've ever been? What is the hottest place I have ever been? Or should I say, where is the hottest yes, place? Where on earth is... Uh, yeah. yes. When did you go yes. to Death Valley? Um, yes. I Probably the hottest place... Maybe America. Oh, okay. Sort of like Miami-ish sort of thing in the summer was... Oh, God, that must be really good down yeah, there. Yeah, it was horrendously hot, horrendously warm. Probably about the same as as Dubai then, probably getting on for 50, between 40 and 50 degrees. Yeah, it was um, sweltering, yeah. It yeah. was, uh, although probably one of the other hottest places, I remember I played a gig in Paris a few, many, many years ago, and it was, oh, it yeah. was that hot in the place that the sweat was sort of pouring down the walls by the end of the gig. You could see it, like, sort of... It was as if they had sort of an indoor water feature built in, sort of an infinity pool overflowing over the walls. And it was... Like the fountains in the Dubai Mall. Exactly, exactly. But sort of Parisian. And, uh, yeah. Yes, and and full of urine. Yeah, urine. It was... Urine. Yeah, it was... uh, It wasn't pleasant and... Yeah, you know, how many times have we encountered a Doctor Who story where there's a citadel yeah. full of people with an underclass? So, oh, sorry, Terry Nation is just on the phone. He just wants to... Yeah. Oh. oh. It, uh, yeah, it's... Um, that's the thing, isn't it? Like, this, it's there's so many Doctor Who-isms in this story that it sort of becomes... like it, uh, Just like bingo, isn't it? Yeah, oh, like, it, oh, yeah, it full is. house. Like ding ding yep. ding ding ding, jungle planet next, please. Or you know, yeah, Und- underclass uh, politics yep. led by a sort of uneasy triumvirate of people. What are One they hiding? Bad what are they hiding? Um, these, what could be going on? He's concealing on? something. Um, yeah, and then uh, and and so the other, I suppose, aspect is is the the center of the planet. Is a sort of giant 
fish <sighs> thing. I mean, I'll, full disclosure, listeners, it's been a couple of weeks <laughs> since I read this book, and some of the details may have slipped me by. There's a sort of a, a an eel or yeah, some it's kind like of um, I, I can't remember how he describes it, but it's some sort of a amphibian snake yeah. thing or thing. something like that, isn't it? And it arrived on a spaceship which crashed into the planet and it burrowed its way underground and it's grown and grown yeah. and grown. And it's... Seeping? Slime. It's, it's, it's bodily secretions. Yes. Yeah. Have found their way into the water table. Yep. And it's turned the population or it's affecting the population and some of them are mutating. Mm. Now... Given that in Britain, the Conservative Party's policy of dumping raw sewage in, in our rivers, um, it feels like they haven't read this book and they haven't learned its lesson. I'm, I'm very surprised by that, you know, given its, I would have, given its popularity and its sort of, its yeah. household status as being a classic of the genre. It's up there with, with Dick. Exactly. Yeah. It's up there with Dick. Um, that it just yeah. sort of, you'd assume being sort of well read folk, they would have experienced the Baxendale oeuvre, and I mean, you know, not to single any of them out, but if you had to guess, someone like Matt Hancock is probably a Doctor Who fan. It's sad, that isn't um, it? It makes you question your existence. Yeah, you know. it does. It it does make you think. Oh God, am I yeah. am I like that? Am I one of those? Reese Mogg, he's probably Trek. I see. I, he's I, he's um, he's a Blake Seven man. That's what, yeah. Oh, would you think I reckon so? he's just niche enough, isn't he, that he's sort of cool. You know, he, could he thinks be. he is. Uh, I enjoy Blake Seven when I'm not reading the books of Dostoevsky. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm thinking Johnson probably watched it. He probably he's probably a Pertwee man. You, I, I would have thought so. I mean, you, it's hard to know, isn't it? Because if you asked him, it would just sort of be a bumbling mess of... Bloody Pertwee, isn't it? Bloody great. Like that, yes. So very much like the Brigadier in some respects. And... Uh, Sunak seems to sort of. Um, I love science fiction, but I, 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 I yes, can't talk I, about I it. I couldn't. <laughs> I couldn't name any that I'd ever encountered or ingested yeah, but, or watched. But or my read. wife's told me that they're great, and uh, yes. let's all read them. Yes, yes. Um, when we've done our maths yeah. homework, yeah. so yes, so that would be. Um, and the Labour Party, I don't. I don't think they'd have much time. For no. Them. Nonsense like this. They'd be. They'd be too. We busy need to just children. get on with out. the batter in hand and not bother with yes. reading uh, Trevor. Yes. What's Why his name? Why are we reading <laughs> science fiction books when there's every need to mobilise? <laughs> and- <laughs> I mean, Diane Abbott's got a bit of time on her hands now. She could. She could knock out She's, the Virgin yeah. New Adventures in a couple of days or something. I'm sure she yeah, could. Yeah, she gets it. Um, Try and rescue the show. No, I yeah. don't know whether. Well, I don't know. There's no chance of that. So that ship has already sailed and is heading towards the iceberg as we speak. There's no. You just got to deal with the outcome of that. It's. It is what it is. Now, his Trevor Baxendale. Trevor Baxendale's sort of style of prose. He always. Mm. Well, in this book, anyway, he seems to write it from sort of, in a way, as if it's a target book, as in. It comes across the way that you read it as if he's writing a televised story or novelizing a televised story. Yeah, yeah. 
I just don't know whether that works very well. Why I don't know why I'm doing the I'm doing the clenched. Th- I like I, I like the the clenched, yeah. but it's very sort of Tony yeah, Blair in a number yeah. of ways. Uh, I'll just um, um, I'll sit on my hands now. It um, yeah, I just don't know whether it um, works. It's it's true, isn't it? It's that for me. It's always the thing where they don't really bother giving you a kind of visual description of any of the characters. I mean, you know, Fitz. We know Fitz is a man. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Occasionally, they mention he's got dark hair. Yeah. <laughs> he's got a coat. Compassion <laughs> is one of those women that they have. Well, that's because, but then some of the sort of set in the scene of like where they are, some of that is great. Like when they're describing that the sort of the city or like their island looks like a fist, doesn't it? And those, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, all of that stuff's sort of described well, and then they just everything else is skipped over. It's sort of, and now the story yeah. happens, and now we're in here, and it looks like this, and it's got this wonderful flowing ebb of wonderful desolate planet, and it, it, it's uh, yeah. I just don't know whether I get on with that. I, th- I suppose it's something that you sort of get used to, but I don't. Yeah, I think it is. I think it's something that you you kind of stop expecting from a a Doctor Who novel because. I, I guess fundamentally these details are not important, whereas with other, you know, perhaps dare I say, better <laughs> books, um, it is of it is more important to to flesh people out, yeah, to a greater extent. I, I will say that there is quite a few occasions on this where there's just pages and pages of nonsense. Where nothing, like it's just what is going on. There's, uh, I, I even made a note of one of them. Now I can't remember when this part was, so I put I put that I've never read so many pages about someone called Kahau, like Grimmer's son. Is it Kahau yep. or Kohau or something? Keyhole. It um yeah. There's I'm sure like four pages, and then at the end of it, they ask the question again about well, tell me more. No, don't tell us any more. I We know we spent so long now about this. Like it's yeah I. I just don't understand. But then again, it's, yeah. Doctor Who has that problem where it does just suddenly stop and then we're just going to explain something for way too long that doesn't need explaining. So so it's as loyal to the show and consistent with the show as it is annoying and unnecessary. Yeah. And the other thing to say, uh, if you've read a lot of these books and obviously you've read possibly as many as two yes but all the writers pretty much do the same thing they don't really describe fits he's a he's a man he's got dark hair he's he's got a height um (laughs) compassion is a sort of woman thing but there'll be about three pages fetishizing the paul mcgann doc yeah Always Byronic with long flowing hair and stuff. He's gorgeous. He's he's ever so pretty. And he's got got an open shirt and you can just see like one chest hair. A whiff of hair. It's like Paul McGann wrote it. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, and there was fits and compassion. And the doctor was just gorgeous. And he was so elegantly dressed. And he was just so intelligent and just witty, funny, a great lover. (laughs) Great lover. Stamina like you've never seen. It's <laughs> very good at puzzles. He was Sudoku champion in the southwest. Yep. Um, but so, so you, you, one of your first experiences was watching the the Paul McGann movie. It was, said. yes. 
So does he have any? Where, where, where does he come in your in your inner list of doctors? Now, I think from an, an outside perspective, everybody likes Paul McGann. I think he's sort of universally liked. I think everybody would agree that he should be given a fair crack of the whip and given another go because you know yeah. he's he's great. He's a great actor. Maybe the film isn't fantastic, but it's. You know, it's it is what it is. You've got another doctor. Yeah. You've got a story. You've got a film. You've got some DVD extras. Crack on, like go for it. I think he's enjoyable, and he's enjoyable enough. I'm doing it again. He's enjoyable enough. Sorry, I was gesturing. He's um, <laughs> he's he's enjoyable enough to make you want to see him more. Yes. I don't know whether the books sort of fulfil that want if they sort of fill that compassion-sized hole of uh, <laughs> it. But, you know, uh, he's enjoyable. Whether I think he's written very um, slightly differently to how he is in, but, I'd, in, the, in the movie, but I'm not sure whether it's a sort of conscious effort that they're thinking, right, this is Paul McGann. I think they just sort of, they must be writing it in a way of, right, here's the eighth Doctor, and we get to build on what McGann sort of planted, and now we got we get to sort of develop it more. And then I suppose it 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 would be tricky to bring McGann back because you've sort of got this amount of fans that are familiar with the books, and they think, well, actually, I think you find in uh, in Cold Heart, it was um, you know it'd be tricky to sort of get the character right, but. Yeah. You know, I think they showed that when it was, was it Night of the Doctor or whatever it was, the sort of mini sewed thing, he's still great. You can do whatever you want with it, can't you, really? It doesn't really matter. Like, that that was probably my last 10 out of 10 episode of Doctor, yeah. Night of the Doctor. I did, I did love that. Um, I think you're right. I think a lot of people that were writing these Eighth Doctor books, they either wrote, I think in the first year or so, they tried to write the eighth doctor as portrayed by paul mcgann mm. then i think they broke into two groups um writing the doctor they'd like to be or the doctor they'd like to see or the kind of uh slightly magical doctor that fit into that x-files buffy kind of zeitgeist yep. and the other half wrote the doctor they'd most like to have sex with right and I'm not saying there's anything right or wrong about either of those approaches. That is what you get. Horses so for courses. Horses, as you so rightly, for courses. Yes. So the Doctor kind of pings around being variously kind of um, glorious, magnificent, um, very good looking. Mm. Um, has quite a bit of sex. I mean, there's a couple of books where he gets his end yep. away. Um, Ooh. Don't know which yeah. end, because obviously Gallifrey and physiognomy it, is very different to your puny Yes, earth. I was good, yeah genitalia but you know Pardon? he put something somewhere and makes someone <laughs> he happy did. he pleasured many a man and woman or alien or yes. being yeah so and it's all very because you know these books are existing in a vacuum where the show is never coming back yeah it doesn't matter there's about five thousand people around the country that are reading them that's about the size of bring it. back the wilderness and years all, i say that's <laughs> well you know yeah they're all going to be. They're all going to be fans of Buffy. They're all going to yeah. be fans of the X Files. And so, what these books do, and what I'm finding that they do quite well to a point, 
is the creating an ongoing thing that's got a kind of aesthetic and a kind of it does have a fit i will say reading it it does feel very 90s i yeah i I think like you say it because it is drawing on that sort of buffy sort of cult 90s sci-fi fantasy kind of world it does have this sort of feeling it's not Doctor... I think it sort of feels as if Americans had a proper crack at doing Doctor Who. I, yeah. Even though, you know, it's an English writer, I think they're so inspired by... Well, the fact that there's sort of not much British sci-fi at the time, they are probably watching the Buffies, the X-Files, all yeah. of that sort of... Yeah. So, the Buffies? Uh, you know... The, the, but the, the buffet. Um, if only there were there were two of them. Actually, there probably was an episode. There was a Buffy robot. Yeah, we'll go, we'll go with the Buffy robot one. I think. Yeah. So it does sort of take on that sort of maybe maybe even sort of Twin Peaksy kind of odd feel. It's not. It's it's not. If Twin Peaks is yeah. here, then, then the, there's a, there's a gulf. Is what I'm saying. Um, the 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 aesthetic of it. I mean, like the idea that compassion's face sort of blurs and becomes a kind of visual effects vortex that the doctor and Fitz walk through. That's kind of like in their heads, they're imagining American production values and and proper money behind this because anyone writing these books is going to be visualizing it and it's going to be very much created in that kind of mindset. So um, yeah, you, you can tell that everyone's kind of, writing books for a show that sadly we never got. Yeah, I mean it was what would you think what obviously hypothetically what do you think it would have been like if they'd sort of after the movie a series would have happened? What do you think Doctor Who would have ended up? Well, I think you'd have had so I think you'd have had f- 4 years or 7 years depending on how popular it proved. Yeah. Um, you'd have had because I don't know how familiar you are with the um, there's there's various kind of leaks and things online that show that they plan to remake like classic stories yeah. in amongst the new ones. So you'd have had kind of remakes of things like Genesis of the Daleks and Talons of Wang Chiang, and then there'd be maybe a, a a new story arc they'd put in over the top of that so twin dilemma. Been- all the classics, you know, get them all. Lovely listed readers. Sorry, listeners, I've just been taken powerfully ill. Um, I think it would have been. I've got to be very careful because what I was about to say was I think it would have drifted up its own arse to the point where it made no sense to the casual viewers. Yeah. And they would have switched off. And then I think about what's happened to the actual show in the last 10 years and I think, yeah. Like just that. say it. Just so, say it, boy. <laughs> I I think it would have been like the Capaldi era if they'd spent half the Capaldi era retelling Hinchcliffe era Doctor Who stories. Yeah. But with a very sexy doctor. Yes. Very um, dashing. Intelligent. Yes. And, uh, yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Softly spoken. With eyes like a glittering Medusa cascade. Oh. And a tongue that tasted like buttered crumpets. But- <laughs> Slightly salted, maybe Lurpak, yes. when it wasn't fifty pounds a tin. It, yeah. oh, back in the day, I will say, yes, I'm all right with all of that stuff. 
hype that all of that mm. hypothetical sort of Doctor Who happening if they don't yeah. go about it by using similes that are like the ones in this book. I have never heard such utter rubbish. <laughs> I think in the first chapter is the first chapter where they first encounter the bat in the cave. Or is that second yeah, chapter? Yeah, I believe it is. I think it is. And they describe the <laughs> the bat flying past as, you know, like when like in the <laughs> on the tube in London when you can feel a train approaching and that gust of breeze that appears. I just think what a load of rubbish. It just it flew past you like a bat. Like oh yes. It there's another one that's um uh what is it? It's something I think it's about bodies and they're piled up like rats that have been run over. A pile of rats Which that have a, been run over. A very specific <laughs> thing. What are you I mean, doing, you'd, Trevor? Like <laughs> you'd have to drive around presumably really far. Or with a snowplow. For a very long time to amass a number of dead rats. And very seldom do you then see people collecting said dead rats and piling them up. I mean... And even more... Yeah, no, I can't... Even even more rare is you being able to write about that and somebody having the same experience (laughs) to be able to reference that too. Oh, Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that. It's... It's just nonsense. It's, yeah. Why? Yeah. yeah, there's there's so many of them in this where... Uh, what? Why are you doing that? We know what you mean. Like, if you just said and, and, the, uh, the breeze like a bat that flew past your head, even yeah, if a bat has yeah, never flown past your a, head... A bird, yeah, It's perhaps. just a bird. There's going to be some sort of airborne yeah. thing Something flew past that his you head. could relate to. Yeah. Also, the characters, the characters who are likening things to when a tube train goes past you. Like, compassion has never yeah. been near the London Underground. What do you mean, Doctor? It's- <laughs> the Doctor might have, Fitz would have, but in the 60s when Fitz joined the TARDIS, there'd have been about half the the lines there are now. It's just... Yeah. It's inappropriate. It's not just that they're limited and narrow and, and rubbish, but they don't always marry up to the characters that are having those thoughts. It's... Yeah, it's oh, it's just one of those, isn't it? Where it's just I, I couldn't believe I stopped and sort of said, "Is this just listen to this? Just <laughs> just listen to this? Is this right? Like it just oh yeah, oh well." I mean, so it, it is a weird thing because this is, in terms of being like easy to read and enjoyable this is one of the better edas that i've read so far given that i've recently in the last year read about five or six yeah um so quite a low bar and by the time i've read all eight thousand and twelve of them this may not be in my top 10 but if trevor baxendale's listening i really enjoyed yeah, this book. i love you trevor relative yeah relative to some of yeah. the others but you're you're right in that in that there are an awful lot of similes, and not all of them are. They're all over the place. Apposite, yeah. they there's, are. There's like, so many of like them. Like rats piled yes. up. Yes, yeah, yeah. In a in, in a pink shoe. Box, yes. Uh, ah, in now, a, yeah. In a haunted wood. You know what I mean? Like the, that. When it's raining. When it's yes, raining. Yeah. On a Tuesday. That's the one. And you're leaning slightly to the right. Is it the box yeah. that's on its lid as well that they sort of somehow yeah, not, managed to not, stack them not, in and then put the? It's been inverted. Sure. That's the one. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, it's, <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, as like you say, it's it's an enjoyable book, and the story does its Doctor Who thing. 
It doesn't, yes. but at the same time, at the end of each chapter, it doesn't sort of make you want to carry on. No, that's <laughs> and, possibly And true. quite a lot of the chapters end with this strange sort of swashbuckly kind of, well, we're the only ones who are going to be able to solve this, dot, dot, dot. Uh, yeah, like that's not a cliffhanger. That's just somebody saying something a bit manly or something. <laughs> that's that's just yeah. That's just cheap. yeah. It's 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 really weird. Like don't but don't worry. I'm sure there's something we can do. Dot dot dot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know that's lovely. If I had that on a on a loop every time I was reading one of these books, that would really sort of. Set the well, you know, it, it needs all the help it can get. Uh, I mean, no. It- <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so there are there are a lot of new adventures and EDAs, and a lot of them which are just so much worse than this, and some that are genuinely laughably terrible. Mm. Um, and part of me wants to sort of engage you as a semi-regular <laughs> correspondent, because I think you'd really appreciate the... Not so much the highs, but the lows of these ranges. I think you'd really well, much that. like our, you know, barrel scraping podcast. That is, uh, who can convince you? Hello, dog. It um, we you know, we pride ourselves on enjoying the shite that is the yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, yeah. I, I mean, when you when you asked when you kindly asked me to join you for this episode, I purposely I was aware of. The Eighth Doctor Adventures. I was aware of the Virgin New Adventures and all of that, you know, everything that is akin to it. I wasn't. I purposely didn't look up what people thought about this for fear that there'd be sort of seventeen podcasts and a hundred YouTube videos of people saying it's the greatest story ever told about Doctor Who. I I just thought right, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna look, so I don't. I have no frame of reference whether this is a good one in the world of who or if this is a bad one in the world of who so and that's a great way to come what to what's the the consensus obviously i think we can sort of we can get a feel of how each of us feels maybe it's so i mean i this morning i had a quick look on um goodreads just to kind of just because it wasn't going to change my opinion yeah. but i wanted to see you know how how some people regarded it and everyone older than me kind of dismissed it as being derivative and and you know like a a bog standard Troughton or Pertwee six parter that did exactly what it said on the tin. Everyone younger than me either wrote a three thousand word essay about it full of typos because they think they're going to be a novelist. Oh right, okay. If um, I'd have done this, there was, it would have been a very there, different yeah. story. Yeah, <laughs> I think on the whole. Trevor Baxendale's books are kind of regarded as being really solid, professional, competent, and enjoyable adventures without being boat rocking, showboating, high jumping, yeah. look at me, look at me, look at me nonsense that you get with a few other writers. Insert name here. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't get to do the big... So, I mean, every kind of year with these books, there'd be one or two books that kind of like in the X-Files where you'd get the end of season story arc story where it would all come back to the conspiracy and yeah. something dramatic would happen. In these, you know, the the Doctor um, 
loses his TARDIS, um, loses his memory, gets marooned on Earth for a hundred years. Loses his wallet. I can't find my memory stick. Can't remember where he's parked. There's a number of big events that happen throughout the the run. What did I come in here for? And he goes, yeah. Yeah. And they're all they're all bloody written by Justin Richards or Steve Cole, and I will get to those gentlemen when their books come Mm. up, um, and not before time. But Trevor isn't given those kind of big pivotal stories. He's given the kind of monster of the week, episode seven kind of bog standard job. And I think he does them really well. And irrespective of of what the the good folk of Goodreads had to say about it, I'm inclined to be incredibly benevolent towards uh, all of his work. I think he does good horror stuff. Um, He's operating in in the world of Doctor Who fiction, so he knows what he's got to do, and he does it. But at the same time, he puts in a few little moments of genuine ill. Yeah, there's a, the, which, towards uh, the end, there's yeah. a lot of sort of, yeah. you know, horror-y slime, slime, slime. Yeah, I think, I, I imagine in the Baxendale house, he's <laughs> he's come home one night from work, he's had a few cans. I was just going to say, I'm just going to go fi- finish yeah. this uh, cold art. Yeah. He's not from- and he does... He does one chapter where he's like, fuck yeah. it, let's just have a bit of a laugh. Monsters, and all the aliens, slimers come guns. Out. <laughs> yeah. He's <laughs> always eating someone's eye. Lovely. And then he popped his kidneys like a fucking balloon. <laughs> <laughs> what you've done there is you've confused the memoir of Mad Frankie Fraser with Gold <laughs> Trevor Cray Baxendale. <laughs> Trevor the Hat Baxendale. The Slicer. (laughs) (laughs) I left him on the moors somewhere. You you know Trevor, he flies past you like a bat. You know know Trevor, he's always running over rats and piling them up in his garden. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, blimey, I'm exhausted now. I'm spent. Um, Do you have anything to say to... To you know, in as as a sort of conclusion, as a conclusion, I will say that there's um, there's a few loose ends to this story, as there is with all of Doctor Who. I'm not trying to poke fun at you know Trevor Baxendale's writing. I always think, no. uh, you know, with all of the best intentions, like whenever we review an episode of Doctor Who or we review anything on the podcast. Uh, you've always got to take it from the sort of perspective of if I was doing it, would it be this good? Or, you know, you can't, uh, for all of uh, all of saying it's not very good or this is this bit wasn't very good or they did this and this was crap, you just got to think, well, really, could I do it any better? And no is the definite answer for this. It would be like a Mr. Man book if I wrote it. <laughs> but, but with just the pictures. Dr. Space yeah, Man you know. materialised and landed on a dark. Yeah, there wouldn't be what? any words like materialised. It would be sort of, you know, I don't know. The Doctor, he, well, I can't say came because that'll, uh, you might, you know. But um, it yeah. would be smaller words, little words. Yes. You know. He reached into the Dalek and squeezed its kids. Yeah, like a fucking balloon. <laughs> like, like, it's, um, <laughs> oh, 
brilliant. It's uh, yeah, it's um, but yeah. So I forgot what I was saying. There, I've just touched the piano. Um, it, yeah, um, that was quite. I thought it was deliberate. It, it, was, it was, was just was... wind. That's um, yeah, uh, yeah. You, you've always got to look at it from the sort of perspective of could you do better? And you know, it's fine to mm. critique. Otherwise, you know, what would you? It, you know, it is what it is. Everybody knows that bit. But at the same time, there are quite a few loose ends to the same way you'd watch a a story on, on television or streaming mm-hmm. or live, terrestrial, you know, whatever floats your boat. And you think, hang on, that's that bit's not tied up and that bit's not tied up. Like in the story, I think, is it the Doctor and Compassion drink the water, don't they? But I don't think anything happens to them. Or maybe all three of them drink the water. I think at some point all three of them... Surely must. Be, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm gasping. I, I can't not, go on, Doctor. It's, it's, <laughs> compassion's going to be fine because she doesn't have a digestive system or you know an alimentary canal, yeah, right? Or 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 an anus. <laughs> you know, she's she's a TARDIS, so she's fine. And I think you know the, the idea is that a very very small percentage of people who drink the water become infected, yeah. and so fits in the Doctor. We're just lucky. Yeah. It's just the luck yeah. of the draw, you know, see what happens. And, you know, yeah. that sort of thing's fine. There's a few occasions where there's sort of things like that that just don't get answered or something happens and you think, oh, it's going to go one way, but it just it doesn't. But yeah. on the whole, like you say, it's a very painting-by-numbers Doctor Who. You sort of know what you're going to get just by the fact it says Doctor Who on the cover and in the first chapter where it's they're in a cave and there's a planet that's boiling hot on the outside and freezing cold in the middle, and then there's a fish thing in the middle of the planet and everybody, and he's got a secret to conceal. I wonder what it could be. And, yeah, you know, it's it's Doctor Who. I think if if you were looking for... Maybe this would be a good entry point. Having said that, this is my entry point. I don't want to say it's a good entry point. But, um, <laughs> you know, if this is your thing, if you're sort of, you know, wanting to enter this world, maybe this is a good point to start at because it's sort of unoffensive it does what it does yeah there's a few bits where you think get on with it for christ's sake but you know but that's true of literally everything. every doctor Who yeah. story ever you, and so, you could you could make yeah. that criticism for all sorts of things it's not just this book but i think it's well written for the most part there's no sort of bits that you sort of think a i don't understand there's just sort of parts of it that are weirdly structured and I think yeah. from a structure point of view, if you sort of ignore the gaping chasms of explanation about stuff, it does rattle along. It doesn't stay in one place for too long. The Doctor gets plenty to do. Fits and compassion, the reason I asked you about them, is because they're not really expanded upon, I don't think, in this story. They're just sort of there. So I think unless you're sort of familiar with who they are and what they are and what they do, you don't really get any more information about them I'll admit it I don't like slugs hideous slimy things that eat my plants and deserve a good sorting i stood on one once in bare feet makes me shudder just thinking about it 
but they do make a fine Doctor Who monster, as Trevor Baxendale shows us in Cold Heart, his first eight Doctor novel. And yes, it's very trad. A society with clear top-bottom problems and the smell of revolution in the air. A downtrodden underclass that is treated as freaks. A ruling triumvirate where one is an angry, inflexible bigot with a longing for power and a hidden secret. A monster waiting in the darkness underground. And let's not forget the slime. Lots and lots of slime. Hopefully Gwyn. I should have been rolling my eyes at the sheer familiarity of it all, but instead I found myself drawn in. Baxendale created a convincing desert planet and a culture that, even though it's painted with few broad strokes, left me wanting to know more. By contrast, the Esconi city of Bactan was vividly realised. I could easily picture this vast location, and it's somewhere that I would have been happy for the Doctor and his companions to have lingered. The Doctor in this novel's brilliant, full of energy, caring, honest, determined to help, yet at times reckless and impulsive. Equally, Fitz tries his best to be a good man. It's clear he idolises the Doctor. Is he in love with him? That would be original. I couldn't really warm to compassion though, and she's more of a mystery. Reading these novels out of order, I've yet to see how she became a walking, talking TARDIS. Plus, with her being invulnerable, there was never really any peril. Whatever the depth of the chasm, no matter the size of the underground tsunami, she'd always survive. Still, reading about the three of them absorbing the sights and sounds and smells of Bactan and its injustices before the main plot kicked in was very enjoyable. Speaking of which, that's another area where things did not veer from the traditional track. It was obvious that Tor Grimnell was have a slimer child, and that despite his hideous crimes he'd have to try and redeem himself in the end, that the gross spulver worm was the cause of the mutations, that the Doctor would find a way to save this society from the alien menace and from itself. But what I didn't predict was the Doctor's solution would be, basically, wash it down the plug hole. Nor that in doing so, it would ultimately cause the destruction of Bactan, leaving thousands homeless. I mean, at the end of the novel, there's a lovely new lake, with fresh, uncontaminated water, but nowhere to shelter, and a blazing hot sun is coming up in a few hours. The slave class still seem to be in servitude, and the Slimers are either dead or still hated. But, time to go, says the Doctor, and off he pops, leaving the Esconi to a new dawn of, what, sunburn, hunger? There was a short moment where it looked like Fitz might hang around longer to help rebuild. It would have been nicer if the Doctor had done the same. Maybe I'm being picky. If you're going to go trad, stick with the tried and trusted ending of the Doctor walking off when it's too mundane for himself. And, despite the familiarity, in the end it was a fun read. Perhaps almost good enough to be a novelisation of Unseen TV story. Though exactly how they would have realised a bunch of camel people, a giant slug and a tidal wave back in the 1990s, Now that I would have liked to have seen.